Ramagyanatamarandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshuran Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Svapdantikam Manchakalpa Tarubhyascha Kripasindubhyevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So we're continuing chapter 32 which Srila Prabhupada uh, called the entanglement in fruitive activities. And um, the chapter began with discussing the different levels of work according to Shastra. There was the detached workers, the attached workers. Um, and then um, we continued to talk about the perfect yogis, the worshipers of Hiranyagarbha, taking shelter of the Lord. And then we finished last week with uh, different ways of worshiping, like the demigods, the sages, impersonalists, and others who follow the Shastra, but in an attached way. So now we're starting with text, well, text 26 is the end of a section that is summarizing all of Lord Kapila's teachings, actually. And that's what we're up to today. Wow, it's bigger than life. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, let me get my, uh, alone, thank you very much. It's good, consider yesterday, I don't know if any of you were fasting yesterday, but I, would, I started really getting weak yeah, at the end of the day, because I, you know, so uh, more water is good <laughs> now that we're not fasting anymore. <laughs> Supreme Personality of Godhead alone is complete transcendental knowledge. But according to the different processes for understanding, of understanding, he appears differently, either as impersonal Brahman, as Paramatma, or as a supreme personality of Godhead, or as a Purusha avatars. So, um, Prabhupada writes that uh, uh, the word, this is very, very beginning of the purport, the word Dristya Adibhi is significant. According to Jiva Goswami, Drista means Gyan philosophical research. By different processes of philosophical research under different concepts, uh, such, is, such as the process of Jnana Yoga, the same Bhagavan, or Supreme Personality of Godhead, is understood as impersonal Brahman. Similarly, by the Eightfold Yoga system, he appears as Paramatma. But in pure Krishna consciousness, or knowledge of impurity, when one tries to understand the absolute truth, one realizes him as the supreme person. So Krishna, this is uh, mentioned, they're all the absolute truth, but there's a very famous verse, one of the most famous verses in the Bhagavatam. Vedanti tat tattva vidas tattvam yajjganam avyam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavan iti sabjate that there's different ways to understand the Lord, 
uh, Brahman, the impersonal energy, Paramatma, the Lord in our heart, and Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So we're reading a little further. Um, the one Supreme Personality of Godhead re reveals himself to different thinkers as the Supreme Person, or impersonal Brahman, or Paramatma. Impersonalists merge into the impersonal Brahman, but that is not achieved by worshiping the impersonal Brahman. You got that? So even if you want to achieve impersonal Brahman, you don't achieve it just by worshiping the impersonal Brahman, which is really hard to do, because what do you worship something that's impersonal? Um, if one takes to devotional service, now this may see, this sentence may seem kind of inconceivable to us, like who would do that? But here it says, if one takes to devotional service and at the same time desires to merge into the existence of the Supreme Lord, he can achieve that because of the power of bhakti. If someone desires at all to merge into the existence of the Supreme, he has to execute devotional service. So devotional service is that element. It's not necessarily absolutely pure, but that element that makes anything successful. Okay? The devotee can see the Supreme Lord face to face, but the jnani, the empiric philosopher or yogi, cannot. They cannot be elevated to the positions of associates of the Lord. There is no evidence in the scriptures stating that by cultivating knowledge or worshiping the impersonal Brahman, one can become a personal associate of the Supreme Personality of God because Krishna fulfills our desires. So if we don't desire to be with him as a person, he's not going to force it upon us. He's not going to, you know, so if you want, you know, uh, impersonal Brahman, okay. You know, if you want to be a yogi and worship me as the Lord in the heart, it's really hard, but okay. You know, and if you want to be with me, okay. And then at the very last sentence, er, um, every place, every space, and everything belongs to Vishnu or Krishna. But when he personally lives in Tadhamma Paramam, or Vrindavan, Mayapur, Jagannath Puri, his supreme abode, uh, I'm sorry, every place, every space, and everything belongs to Vishnu, but where he personally lives is Tadhamma Paramam, his supreme abode. One has to make one's destination the supreme abode of the Lord, or in other words, being in touch with Krishna, the person. So I thought what we would do, though, is skip ahead to verse 33 in the purport, because that kind of defines a lot of what we are going to be discussing in these next few verses. So let's read this slowly and carefully. It's the first paragraph. I'll just read the purport, um, Jiva Prabhu. It appears that by following the path of jnana, or empiric philosophical speculation, one reaches the impersonal Brahman. Whereas by executing devotional service in Krishna consciousness, one enriches his faith in and devotion to the personality of Godhead. But it is stated here that both bhakti yoga and jnana yoga are meant for reaching the supreme destination, the personality of Godhead. By the process of jnana yoga, the same personality of God, it appears to be impersonal. 
as the same object appears to be different when perceived by different senses. The same Supreme Lord appears to be impersonal by mental speculation. Now he's going to give an example to help us understand this. A hill appears cloudy from a distance, and when one and one who does not know uh, may speculate that the hill is a cloud. Actually, it is not a cloud, it is a big hill. One has to learn from authority that the sight of a cloud is not actually mm, a cloud, but a hill. If one makes a little more progress, then instead of a cloud, he sees the hill and something green. When one actually approaches the hill, he will see many varieties. Another example is in perceiving milk. When we see milk, we can see that it is white. When we taste it, it appears that milk is very palatable. When we touch milk, it appears very cold. When we smell milk, it appears to have a good flavor. And when we hear, we understand that it is called milk. When we, uh, perceiving milk with different senses, we say that it is something white, something very delicious, something very aromatic, some, and so on. Actually, it is milk. Similarly, those who are trying to find the Supreme Godhead by mental speculation may approach the bodily effulgence of the impersonal Brahman, and those who are trying to find the Supreme Godhead by yoga practice may find him as a localized supersoul, but those who are directly trying to approach the Supreme Truth by practice of bhakti yoga can see him face to face as the Supreme Lord. So you get the real, you taste the milk. Any discussion on this? Yes, Andy. This might come up later in the other purports, but is that uh, the Ghani yoga, is that classified as a materialist path? No. Oh, it's not. A Ghani is a transcendentalist. Transcendentalist. They, uh, actually it comes up in the next verse. Um, let's, just, let's just read the first, yeah. I'll, I'll keep that question just for about yeah. 20 seconds. Text 27. The greatest common understanding of all yogis is complete detachment from matter, which can be achieved by different kinds of yoga. Okay, so let's just look at that. Um, and then in the purport, the very just the first two sentences, Srila Prabhupada says there's three kinds of yoga. He explains there's other, sometimes you'd include karma yoga also. Uh, Bhakti, jnana, and ashtanga. Devotees, jnanis, and yogis all try to get out of the material entanglement. So, uh, just by the term yoga, which you know, we often say is, is connected to the present day word yoke, or to connect. So they're still connecting with the absolute. Um, it's, it's just, it's, uh, so they're considered transcendentalists. In other words, they don't want to enjoy this material world. They want to get out of this material world. So uh, there's some parallels to a certain point. Um, and then the bhakti yoga just kind of goes further. They go together, and bhakti yoga goes further. Because of the, well, let's just say, okay, so here it's saying that all three yogas um, want detachment from matter. So then it's really interesting, how do you do it? What's the best process? So the impersonalists, they, um, no, um, that's a yogi. 
the impersonalists philosophically come to that conclusion that this world is, uh, you know, I, I, I may people try for happiness, but they get distress. They really just philosophically, because philosophically you can kind of understand you're not your body if you're very much in the mode of goodness. The yogi uh, understands the Lord is in his heart and meditates on the Lord in his heart. And by how does he meditate? He's very difficult uh, of renouncing this world, going to a forest, uh, maybe sitting on a deer skin, because deer skins apparently uh, um, get rid of uh, tigers, um, and eating very simply, obviously, in the forest, and, you know, and doing this for a long time. Whereas the devotee can live in a big city, can um, you know, have a job, can do this or that, um, uh, but is focused, their detachment is their connection with Krishna and their paramdristva, their higher taste, their enjoying spiritual life, uh, chanting Krishna's name, etc. And engaging, not denying, but engaging the senses in, in service and in pleasing God and pleasing Krishna. And that changes everything. Um, so here Prabhupada writes a little later in that purport, um, 30 of uh, 27. Uh, the, Gani tried, the Ganis tried to detach their sensual activities from material entanglement, engagement. The yogis, Gani yogi uh, thinks that matter is false and the Brahman is true. He tries, therefore, by cultivation of knowledge to detach the senses from material enjoyment. The Ashtanga yogis or, uh, also try to control the senses. The devotees, however, try to engage the senses in the service of the Lord. So it's a big difference. So they, they don't, they don't, it's not just deny, deny, deny. It's engage, engage, engage. Okay. Uh, then a little later, in the next paragraph, the purpose of all yoga is to detach one's sense activities from the material world. The final aims, however, are different. Ganis want to become one with the Brahman effulgence, yogis want to realize the Lord in the heart, Paramatma, and devotees want to develop Krishna consciousness and transcendental loving service to the Lord. That loving service is the perfect stage of sense control. The senses are actually active symptoms of life and they cannot be stopped. They can be detached only if they are superior, if there is superior engagement. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very technical. And, uh, What's technical? The, these fine divisions, because I remember reading about there were materialist paths. I think uh, which path? Materialist paths. Oh. I think they're, when you worship uh, demigods, you can get material results. Yes. And you can join the demigod, but you, do, you fall short of Christian. Right. Event. That's yeah, different yeah. because when you worship the demigods, generally, when you worship the demigods, you want something. You want to, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. But the Ganis, the Ashtangis, and the Bhaktas, they're, as it says, as we've been just reading, they're trying to find ways to not enjoy the senses. And the bhaktas just found the best way. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, so they're not worshiping the demigods, you know, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz, right, or whatever. 
or, or much higher than that. So all th that's why they're called transcendentalists, because they're not trying to enjoy this world, they're trying to get out. We've just found the uh, easiest exit. Yeah, get off the, get off the freeway. Yeah, we took the easy path. We had the easy pass uh, and took the uh, express lanes. And that's just the mercy of Guru and Krishna, Srila Prabhupada and Krishna, because we didn't know. You know, if, if a Gyani would have come along and preached to us, we might have gone in that path, but probably not. At least I wouldn't, because it wasn't so much fun. You know. okay. Other thoughts on these two verses? Because they're important verses. Yes, Matsuji? Hare Krishna Prabhu. So the Gyanis, I was, as you were explaining difference between the uh, three categories, I was trying to relate it to all different, um, uh, you know, programs we have watched, the speakers we have listened to, just trying to relate how all different approaches are. So being in a Krishna conscious environment, I understand the bhakta path, and I was, however, just trying to relate. So people who do breathing techniques uh -huh. and they are promised that as they advance through these breathing techniques, they will go into samadhi. That's, uh, uh, that's the, the other yoga path probably, right? Yeah, that the, would be kind maybe, of ashtanga yoga because uh, pranayama. Yeah, and to seem it seems very lucrative because the mysticism uh, developing around it or different achievements in that process. Right. And not goal not being exactly, you know, to serve Krishna. Not, or, right, exactly. And like the, the, like first the art one, of, uh, the art yeah, of, uh, what is it called? The art of living, yeah. right? Yeah. So they teach this pranayama, they call yeah, they it have the all different kriyas Sudarshan and, Kriya. Is that yeah. What, yeah. And, and they also advertise that eventually, I mean, if they do all these techniques properly, that's giving them ultimate happiness, peace and everything. Um, I'm not sure because I'm not following well, that path. Yeah. But um, no, yeah. Um, so because it's, it's a bona fide Vedic process, pranayama, it has some potency. We, and we, I think we all know that if we do anuloma, viloma, and things like yeah. that, because the mind and the breath are connected, you actually do feel some shanti, mm -hmm. some peace. Um, I did tran transcendental meditation when I was a teenager. Maharishi Mahesh Yogi's program. Uh, and just sitting quietly for 20 minutes, you know, a, a passionate teenager, you felt some quiet, some peace. So people like the art of uh, living because it's, it's actually really simple. You, you do some pranayama and things, and you feel, yeah, it's true, it works. It works. Um, for someone who's really studied the scriptures carefully, and really try to understand Krishna's teachings in the Gita, they would probably realize that there's a lot more. There's a lot more. Because Krishna, first of all, he talks about developing really deep peace when he talks about Oktaram Yagatapasam Sarva Loka Maheshram Suridham Sarva Bhutanam Gatvamam Shantim Richiti. When he says that you, we, we uh, get Gatvamam Shantim, we get real Shanti, real peace. Uh, when we know these three aspects of Krishna deeply, right? That he is the enjoyer of everything. We're meant to please him, right? That he is the proprietor of everything, including our iPhones. <laughs> and uh, he's the surit, he's the friend of every living entity. So that 
this is not you know to criticize others because actually uh, Ravi Shankar is quite very respectful to Srila Prabhupada and speaks incredibly highly of Srila Prabhupada. But it, but there's so much more depth to the peace formula that Krishna is giving in the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. You know, we can't compare Ravi Shankar Prabhu to the Bhagavad Gita. Not that he rejects the Bhagavad Gita, but he's presenting something. So we're not trying to you know criticize others, but Krishna is speaking on such a deep level. Yeah, and the third category where impersonalists, we, you explained about impersonalists. So Hold the mic like that. Yeah, yeah the ca third category of impersonalists where they are giving some philosophical explanations of how to attain Brahman effulgence yeah. or whatever their goal, which is not exactly maybe, you know, in service of Krishna, lotus feet of Krishna. Uh, they certainly are not at all talking about uh, all these uh, breathing yeah. techniques. Uh, but there are really good speakers. If you listen to them, it makes sense what they're preaching, like how to detach from fruitive activities, how to understand karmas around you, those kind of talk. Yeah. But it's only, it's only a part of big picture, it seems, it's, it's when you listen to them. It's part of the picture, exactly. It's part of the picture. That's, that's the point. Um, yeah, it's part of the picture. I mean, ultimately... We don't say this as a person walks in the door the first time, but ultimately we don't care about peace. We care about Krishna's pleasure. And that actually brings a much deeper peace. So even if our life is totally hectic and there's so much anxiety about, you know, whatever, building a new temple or something like that, uh, or whatever, you know, um, if that's why Srila Bhakti, if you know, Thakur had that wonderful saying, right, that if what causes me anxiety or pain gives you great pleasure, Krishna, then that's my greatest pleasure. And if what gives me the greatest pleasure and the greatest satisfaction brings you displeasure, then that's my displeasure. So that's a, that's a high level, and that's ultimately what we're uh, what we're giving. What is it uh, in, in is it Hindi? Shira and Kira are they sound alike? Is it? One is cucumber and one is diamond? Is that right? Yeah, Kira and Hira. Kira and Hira, right. Kira and Hira, right. Kira and Hira, right. So they, they, they sound alike. So Srila Prabhupada would say sometimes that, you know, he came to give diamonds and not everyone can afford them. Yeah. <laughs> Some, maybe you can afford cucumbers better. <laughs> here you get them for free. We get these wonderful, in our garden here, the fantastic cucumbers there's so many by the way this is just an aside but we offer the Lord so many nice organic fresh vegetables from the garden here that uh, Janard and Prabhu has done it's really nice to s but anyway so um, of course anyone can approach Krishna at any level but ultimately what ISKCON is providing is like wow right it's it's uh, like Kadamba Kananda Maharaj gave a class here. If you haven't heard it, it's a really nice class. It's on SoundCloud that he gave here, I think, last Tuesday. And uh, he said at a certain point when he was kind of getting interested in Krishna consciousness, and this is especially what it was like in the 70s, but he, in a certain point he realized, whoa, this is serious stuff. If I really want to do this right, i got to like totally change my mindset of how I see the world you know he kind of realized it clicked that this is deep this is not uh, something you do 20 minutes a day morning and evening 
course you can do that and chant Hare Krishna, that's fine, but, you know, ultimately, what Krishna says, ultimately is sarva dharmam prajagyamang may kam sharanam praja. Just take full shelter of me 24-7. So, that's what we're working towards, if, even if it's going to take some lifetimes or something. But it's, uh, yeah, so thank you for bringing it up. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much, because it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite astonishing what the Bhagavatam is providing us. But it's not cheap. Shall we continue? Text 28. Those who are adverse to the transcendent, to the transcendence realize the supreme absolute truth differently through speculative sense perception. And therefore, because of mistaken speculation, everything appears to them to be relative. And uh, I'm just going to read the third paragraph, or the beginning of the third paragraph. In this verse, it is clearly said that those who are adverse to the Supreme Personality of Godhead speculate with their imperfect senses about the nature of the Absolute Truth. The formless Brahman conception, however, can be received only by oral reception and not by personal experience. Knowledge is therefore acquired by oral reception. It is confirmed in the Vedanta Sutra, uh, Shastra Yonitvat. One has to acquire pure knowledge from the authorized scriptures. So-called speculative arguments about the Absolute Truth are therefore useless. So, uh, one thing I thought about this is that we also are somewhat adverse to the to uh, transcendence. <laughs> somewhat, right? We, uh, we, we, um, we are a mishra, mixture, most of us. I, I can't, I don't know everyone's heart in this room, but we're trying uh, to gradually you know, the example Srila Prabhupada would give of the, the glass with the ink and you keep adding milk, right? And it goes from pitch black to dark gray to different shades of lighter as you keep on adding the milk. So we're, we're trying to add the milk, but there's still some black there. There's still some times when we like, oh, okay, enough, Krishna, enough. I need to take a break from you <laughs> for a few minutes or a few hours or whatever. Um, but here, the specific adversity to Krishna is in the, in the uh, guise of not hearing from Shastra, the descending process, but trying to figure everything out on our own through the ascending process, through our intelligence and our thinking powers. Um, th our thinking powers can help us, um, but especially in... Um, trying to understand the Shastra, trying how to apply it. Uh, not to question whether it's true or not, but how it's true. It's a different approach. Um, because you can't, you know, Krishna says that it can't be fully understood just by our, ultimately we need mercy fully to understand it. And that doesn't mean we set aside our intelligence, not at all. The Bhagavad Gita, uh, at the end of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that one who, uh, one should, 
one who reads the Bhagavad Gita is worshipping Krishna with his, by his intelligence. And the Bhagavad Gita is primarily written in, uh, on the intelligence platform. There's some bhakti there, of course, you know, uh, plenty of it. But it's, a lot of it is to convince Arjuna and through Arjuna convince us, uh, logically. So we should try to understand the scriptures through logic and argument. And part of the logic and argument is to understand we can't understand everything. Uh, there's even, I, I don't know if it was Einstein or Carl Sagan or who it was, but someone, you know, I think Einstein had a very humble approach to the world, right? There's many quotes from him where, you know, he would say things like, I, you know, clearly I don't understand everything, right? Um, and that is one of the signs of real intelligence, that as you apply your intelligence and become deep, more deeply engrossed almost in any subject, then one of the things you realize is you don't realize everything. I think that's, I know that's true of my, my outside profession. There doesn't come a time when you just think you know everything about conflict resolution, right? Um, in, the, in the outside world, right, they talk a lot about how it's, it's an admirable quality to be uh, a lifetime learner. They talk about that, right? Lifetime learners. So we should be like that in terms of uh, the scriptures. And, and I think anyone in this room has probably had the experience. I, I mean, I don't know. I've probably read the Bhagavad Gita 20 times, I'm guessing. Uh, but it's still fresh. It's not like, oh, the Bhagavad Gita, I already read it 20 times. You know, I, I don't think you can, it's, it's unlikely that reading The Great Gatsby or something like that will give you the same experience. Right? Just like I've chanted uh, at least 16 rounds of japa every day for 41 years, um, so almost two hours a day, I doubt I would have the same experience if I chanted Coca-Cola, that was the example Prabhupada gave, for uh, 41 years, two hours a day. Yes, Prabhu? Hare Krishna Prabhuji. So hold I the think, mic like that. I think that oh, Prabhu, hold the mic. Sur surrender, even in the material sciences, yes. so social or physical, you know, when we do like the PhD level research, they say that when you are actually given that degree is when you think now that you don't understand anything. <laughs> you are like, I thought I understood, but then even if when they are looking at that tiny thing, they don't understand, yes. yeah. you're blank, then you are qualified to get that degree. Wonderful. So what to talk about the big topic, like the Big Bang, or the creation, you know, and all the amazing things within an atom. So I think that it's only the ego that, yes. that limits us from surrendering. Ego, yes. Uh, and therefore, humility is a very uh, important quality. Yeah. Thank you for that. Are you a PhD? You have one. Only one? <laughs> so that means you're very humble. <laughs> Any other thoughts on this? Okay, text 29. 
from the total energy, the Mahatattva, I have manifested the false ego, the three modes of material nature, the five material elements, the individual consciousness, the 11 senses, that includes the mind, uh, and the material body. Similarly, the entire universe has come from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So in the beginning of the purport, Prabhupada writes that the Supreme Lord is described as Mahat Pada, Pada, which means that the total material energy known as the Mahatattva is lying at his lotus feet. The origin of the total energy of the cosmic manifest, oh, I read that. The Ma, from the Mahatattva, all the other 24 divisions have sprung, namely the 11 senses, including the mind, the five sense objects, the five material elements, and then consciousness, intelligence, and false ego. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is the cause of the Mahatattva, and therefore in one sense, because everything is an emanation from the Supreme Lord, there is no difference between the Lord and the cosmic manifestation. But at the same time, the cosmic manifestation is different from the Lord. The word swarat is very significant here. Swarat means independent. The Supreme Lord is independent, and the individual soul is also independent. Although there is no comparison between the two qualities of independence, the living entity is minutely independent, and the Supreme Lord is fully independent. So... Um, Krishna is the cause of everything. So in one sense, we can understand, we can see, we look at a tree and we can see that this is created from the elements that Krishna created, earth, water, fire, air, ether, right? And then we can also understand that there's a soul inside the tree and that soul is, has minute independence, Prabhupada says here, but not, is not totally independent like Krishna. Right? So... Um, the, you know, the other example, a drop of water in the ocean and the full ocean is an incredible difference, although in quality. So we're uh, sat-chit-ananda, we are eternal, full of knowledge and full of happiness, and Krishna is sat-chit-ananda. The levels, the fullness of that sat-chit-ananda is different, but it's still, yeah. But we're spiritual, that's the point, by nature. Some thoughts on this? The whole of creation has just been described, by the way. <laughs> but it's very, you know, I'll uh, use the word scientific, it's very clear, right, that, uh, I mean, when you think about it, is there anything else in this world except earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, ego? Is there? Anyone think of anything that outside of those eight? There are things like quarks, but who cares? I mean... Well, a quark may be made some, <laughs> some combination part of, of those things. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's some kind of minute earth. But, yeah. But I mean, those are the basic things that really we can interact with. Those are the basic with. building blocks. Yeah. And Krishna says, Bina Prakritir Ashtada, that they are the... Uh, there are this, my separated, binna means separated, my separated material uh, elements, but they come from him. So in that sense, a devotee sees that there's two things. There's Krishna and Krishna's energies. That's, that's everything. Krishna has a spiritual body. But they come from, that's why they're called binna, separated material energy. Yes. 
But then it says, uh, the next verse says, Aparyasi tasvagyam prakritim vidimeparam jiva bhutamahabaho yayedam dayate jagat. That besides these material things, there's, this, there's us, the soul, who are struggling with material nature. Then the next verse says, but beyond both of those is the Lord. So, first, so I think it's uh, chapter 7 or 9? Seven. 7 says, chapter 7, verse 4 says, earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and ego. Bina prakriti. Next verse says, besides that, there's a spiritual, that's the soul, jiva bhuta. And then beyond both of them is the Lord. Both emanate from the, from the Lord, though. Use a mic. So during the dissolution, the what gets destroyed and what doesn't get destroyed? Well, obviously the souls don't ever get destroyed, right? We, yeah. we know that from the uh, second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, right? Uh, uh, right? Krishna says, um, uh, what's the verse? Najayate mriyate vakadachim. For the soul there is never birth nor death, nor having once been does he ever cease to be. So that, so that obviously, but that so what stays. gets what gets wound up is the earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and ego. I guess the, definitely the material elements: earth, water, fire, and ether. Cut them; they get they get wound up. Yes. Actually, her question just brought up a tricky subject I came across. Okay, this might be too tricky, but they said the Shiva, who actually does the destruction. Right, they said that somewhere I read that his planet does not get destroyed. And if you think about it, there's a logic to that because that would be suicide, right? <laughs> <laughs> Is that and but Shiva is a demigod, so well, uh, I read somewhere that his planet survives the total dissolution. Some planet, uh, yeah, that? yeah, or Druva Loka survives, yeah. Um, yeah, well, Lord Shiva is a special tattva. Yeah. Right? He's uh, um, the example given that yogurt is just milk transformed, right? So he's compared to yogurt, and Krishna is compared to the original milk. Um, so he's a very, very special tattva. So if he decides not to destroy his planet, who's going to stop him? Not me. <laughs> Okay, should we carry on? Okay, uh, text 30. This perfect knowledge can be achieved by a person who is already engaged in devotional service with, and this is important for us, right? Faith, steadiness, and full detachment. And who is always absorbed in thought of the Supreme. He is aloof from material association. So the real trick is being absorbed in thought of the Supreme. Smartavya satatam vishnu vismartavya najatuchit. Right? Always remember Krishna, never forget him. That is the essence of our practice. That is the goal of sadhana, to always think of Krishna and never forget him. And all the other things we do, sarva vidhi nishedhashur eteor evikinkaram, they're servants of that principle. The chanting, the reading the Bhagavatam, the hearing. They're servants of that principle of always remembering Krishna and never forgetting him. So faith, steadiness, and detachment. Yeah. 
Any other thoughts on that? My dear respected mother, I have already described the path of understanding the absolute truth by which one can come to understand the real truth of matter and spirit and their relationship. Philosophical research culminates in understanding the Supreme Personality of Godhead. After achieving this understanding, when one becomes freed from the material modes of nature, he attains a stage of devotional service. Either by devotional service directly or by philosophical research, one has to find the same destination, which is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So, Bhakti, you know, like I, we gave the example earlier, right, of uh, the express lanes. Or you could say taking the stairs up the Washington Monument or taking the elevator, right? Bhakti is the elevator. There's other ways to get to the top. Um, um, but when you reach the top, you realize that the means and the ends are the same in bhakti. When you, you perform devotion to reach Krishna, and once you reach Krishna, you also want to perform devotion. Whereas the other paths are, are um, means to an end. And ultimately, you give up the philosophical jnana process. Right? Uh, what is that verse? Chapter 9, verse 19. Anyone remember that? Bahunam janam janavam mamprapadyante vasudeva saramiti samahatma sudurlaba. So after many births, uh, a jnani realizes that I got to take to bhakti. So the real, wow. The real way of achieving bhakti is uh, the real way of achieving God, the real way of full spiritual realization is through bhakti, through developing our devotion, our commitment to the Supreme Person, to Krishna, to Lord Ram, to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That is the uh, secret. Even in, even in this world, we talk about that, right? If you really want to know someone deeply, it's only really through love, right? You may know your boss at work uh, a little bit and maybe you go out for a happy hour and you have a ginger ale while everyone else is drinking or whatever. <laughs> then you might get to know them a little better because they, they let down their guard a little bit, they talk a little bit. But their spouse or their children know them much better. right? Because there's that loving, hopefully, loving uh, relationship. Um, so it's the same with Krishna. Um, as we develop our devotion, he reveals himself more and more. He says that in Bhagavad Gita, prapajante, tam He says, as we approach him, he approaches us. And it's not reciprocal in the sense that if we take one step to Krishna, he takes a hundred or a thousand steps towards us. He's more eager to have that relationship than we are. So, um, oh, I was just, where was I reading that? Um, that even, you know, just becoming, for example, a Sanskrit scholar, nothing wrong with becoming a Sanskrit scholar, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have a loving relationship with the Lord. Even if you can quote the entire Bhagavad Gita, we had a couple of children in the school that my wife was a principal of, who could recite the entire Bhagavad Gita, Sanskrit, without looking at a book, just through memory. 
the entire Bhagavad Gita. And they, they, of course, they were devotees, but that doesn't necessarily mean that someone is a great devotee. The real essence is how, uh, is how much devotion, how much bhakti, how much um, uh, sh uh, sharanagati, how much real trust and uh, shelter are we seeking in the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It's good to, it's good. I, I wish I memorized the whole Bhagavad Gita. Um, now I'm getting older, but I think I, I, I used to know about at least 150 verses, maybe. Now I don't know, as the age factor kicks in. <laughs> but nowadays, you don't need to, right? Yeah, you, you just, <laughs> everything's right here. <laughs> Some thoughts on that? Okay, so the next verse is um, verse 33, which we already covered, but we'll read this English. A single object is appreciated differently by different senses due to its having different qualities. Similarly, the Supreme Personality of Godhead is one, but according to different scriptural injunctions, he appears to be different. In other words, there's the, there's the impersonal oneness way of understanding the Lord, and then there's the Lord in our heart, and then there's the Supreme Person. And uh, although this gets very confusing, I lived in India for 21 years, and you know there's different philosophical schools in India, but Krishna's school is pretty clear in the Bhagavad Gita. He says, Brahmanohi pratisht aham. Aham means I. Pratishta means the basis. And Brahman means the impersonal the impersonal energy. And Krishna says, Brahmanohi pratisht aham. I am the basis, the cause, the origin of the impersonal. And if you think about anything that we see in this world, how many persons did it take to create this? How many persons did it take to create this? Or even this, right? You had to uh, harvest the cotton and then, you know, turn it in, then there's a seamstress, you know, putting in this zipper, you know, I mean, it, it, anything we see in this world, there's a, a person behind it. Even the, uh, what are the new cars that, that don't have uh, drivers, right? There's still a lot of people behind the, the creation of that new car. So, um, so Krishna is the origin of everything according to Bhagavad Gita. He says, Aham sarvasya prabhavo mutas saram pravartate iti matvava jante mam. What's the last line? Buddha bhava samanvita. So he says, I'm the source of both material and spiritual worlds. Everything emanates from me. The wise who know this perfectly engage in my devotional service and worship me with all their hearts. Some thoughts? Questions, comments? Yes, uh, microphone. Hare Krishna, the verse begins, a single object is appreciated differently by different senses. Right. And uh, so I was contemplating that as you were speaking, and I, I was looking at the Madanga right next to you. It, it 
projects a certain shape. It has a certain shape, right? Barrel uh, color kind of beauty that way. And then, of course, the sound. Uh, there's so many sounds a good mandanga player can get from it. And the feel of it, kind of heavy. Right. And every object is like that water. Um, it looks a certain way. Like we were at the Great Falls yesterday. My, my brother was in town, and I took him to Great Falls, right? So you see the water, right? Um, then, so that's the, the sense of, uh, well, I guess the sense of the eyes, and also we could hear, you know, because it's very, it, was, it just rained recently, so Great Falls is really high, right? So you can really hear the, the uh, water. Um, but then we didn't do the tasting part, <laughs> right? But, you know, this is water and uh, tasting it. One gets a very different perception of the water by tasting it or by looking at it. Like, uh, uh, has anyone here ever been to Lake Louise in Canada? It's just this beautiful, and the water looks turquoise, right? You've, you've been, right? Isn't it? And then, and then you get the reflection from the mountains. It's amazing, amazing place. So there, water, the sight of water is super, super. I've never been to a, practically a more pretty place. That whole area around ba Banff and Jasper. My mom's Canadian, so I have <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, so that so water can have a beauty. Water can also be terrible. Look what happened in Ellicott City, right? That water, the, you know, right? The flooding that just ruined the whole downtown or, uh, or a tsunami, right? Uh, I was in India when the tsunami hit uh, Chennai and uh, I went with a group of doctors to there and the doctors were taking care of patients and we were cooking kitri. Like, I can't even imagine how big the, uh, the vat was that we were cooking, you know, cooking for thousands of people at a time just because they had no source of food, some of them, and things like that. So water can, you know, so just one thing, element, water. Fire, the same thing, right? Could you imagine what would we do without fire? Right? What would we do without water? And at the same time, fire can be very destructive. I, I, yesterday I was driving on Shady Grove just off of 270 and there's these new apartment buildings there but I don't know, not too many people remember that one of those apartments actually burned down. I, I drove by as the fire was raging. I had to rebuild the whole thing. So fire can be super destructive and at the same time you can't cook chapatis, rice, dal, sabjis, my favorite dal dokali. You can't do it without fire. <laughs> you forget about it. So, so in so many ways, also, uh, we perceive things differently, right? You know, but also we're so dependent. When you think about the, those five elements that Krishna created: earth, water, fire, air, ether, right? You know, what, what could you imagine what it would be like if you couldn't if you didn't have air to breathe, right? <laughs> As an example. So we're, uh, <clears throat> it's actually not that hard to be God conscious. It's just because there's so many distractions in the world. Well, you know, I, okay, I can't really think about how grateful I am for earth, water, fire, air, and ether because uh, the Capitals won the hockey, or whatever, you know, or, you know, President Trump tweeted this, or 
my favorite soccer team did that or you know whatever you know there's so many distractions from the realities of life and from just uh, basic things and just uh, you know one of the most spiritual things we can do is to be grateful right? gratitude is a huge spiritual quality actually we can be grateful for, for our family members, for so many things, and then ultimately grateful to the Supreme Lord for the things that we have. And now the real test of gratitude is to be grateful even when things don't go well. That's the real test. Right? It's easy to be grateful when everything's kind of cool. Yeah. So we'll continue. I'll try to finish this chapter. So by performing, uh, so we're on this long verse here. By performing fruitive activities and sacrifices, okay, that's karma and yajna in Sanskrit. By distributing charity, what is that charity in Sanskrit or Hindi? Dan, yeah, dan, yeah. By performing austerities, what's that in Sanskrit? Tapa, tapasya, yes. By studying various literatures, what's that in Sanskrit? Gan, yes, or Swadvaya. Yeah. Uh, by conducting philosophical research, that's Gan. Uh, by controlling the mind, um, Samadhamma. Well, yeah, also Gan, yeah. Uh, by subduing the senses, by accepting the renounced order of life, Sanyas. And by performing the prescribed duties of one's social orders, Dharma, or Swadharma. Uh, by performing the different divisions of yoga practice, uh, yam, niyam, asana, pranayam, pratyahara, etc. Um, by performing devotional service, bhakti, and by exhibiting the process of devotional service, um, containing the symptoms of both attachment and detachment, because we're, when you perform bhakti, you're attached to Krishna, and you become just naturally detached from other things because you just have a uh, it's just like I, I often give this example but I'll give it again um, so we have a uh, 2005 Toyota Prius it has a, almost 200,000 miles on it but we take good care of it because it's our means of transportation and it's a you know Prius if you take care of them can go 300,000 miles Right, um, so that's fine. You know, we take care of it, we wash it, this and that. But if someone just said, "Oh, by the way, here's the keys to a, a new Tesla," right? Then all of a sudden, that 2005 Toyota would be a distant memory. <laughs> they said, "All you got to do is give us the, the the Prius in exchange." Right? T Tesla doesn't need any gas, and you know, it just needs a little electricity, right? Then all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, I, you know, I won't even remember that Prius, <laughs> right? So similarly, when we, when we connect with the Supreme Lord and exhibit the pleasure, the, the peace, the shanti, as you were talking about, the, uh, the reconnecting with our, our essence, who we really are, then, you know, the other things in this world, you know, we don't just necessarily get rid of them, but they just don't, they pale in comparison to attaining 
Krishna's lotus feet. Okay, if anyone wants to give me a uh, Tesla, I'll give them my Prius. Just so you know. <laughs> but until then, I'm going to take good care of that Prius. <laughs> Uh, by understanding the science of self-realization and by developing a strong sense of detachment, one who is expert in understanding the different processes of self-realization realizes the Supreme Personality of Godhead as he is, represented in the material world as well as in transcendence. So I just wanted to read uh, one, it's the second to last paragraph of this long purport. Understanding of the Supreme Person is called Atma Tattva Avabhodhena, which means understanding of one's real constitutional position. Right? We talk about this word Swarup. Right? Uh, swarup uh, means the essence. Right? So the essence of sugar is to be sweet. Right? The essence of salt is to be salty. What is the essence of a really good chili? Hot, right? Yeah, and, and you, I lived in UP. In UP, we got really hot chilies. Yeah, right? Um, so the, what is our essence? Is actually spiritual. And to be a connected with, to be yoga, yoke, to be connected with the supreme ultimately through bhakti. That's our essence. Just like sugar is sweet, salt is salty, we are connected in loving relationship with Krishna. If one actually understands one's constitutional position, that means our swarup, what we were just talking about, as the eternal servitor of the Supreme Lord, he becomes detached from the service of the material world. Everyone engages in some sort of service. If one does not know one's constitutional position, one engages in the service of his personal gross body, family, society, country. But as soon as one is able to see his constitutional position, the word swadrik means one who is able to see, he becomes detached from such material service and engages himself in devotional service. So yet it doesn't, it's not a really attractive thing to say, oh, what, what do you want to do? I want to be a servant, right? Oh, right, that's not like in India, you don't... Um, but... Real, a real servant enjoys almost on the same level as the master. Uh, I, I, when I was, I was spending some time in Delhi. Anyone from Delhi? Yeah, so you know uh, uh, Niti Bhag, that area near, uh, yes, you're from Delhi also. So near, near South X. Oh, yeah, actually, yes. Yes. So I was staying in um, a very wealthy person's home. They, they were devotees of Krishna. And I was doing some writing, so I really didn't want to be at the temple. I really wanted to just wake up in the morning, do my sadhana, and then write. So uh, they have very, very well-to-do family in uh, Anand Lok, which is just near South X, if you know Delhi. Um, and so what I saw was very interesting. So the owners, they, of course, you know, the servants are cooking them breakfast and cleaning and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but they, the owners go out to work. And then the servants, after the owners leave, they're, they're all watching television and cooking all these great things for themselves and just like really enjoying life. <laughs> it was really interesting to see that. So the servant, I, I, it just reminded me of that saying, the servants enjoy almost on the same level as the master. <laughs> and then all of a sudden when the masters come home at night, yes, sir. <laughs> but all day long they're just like, you know, 
<laughs> so anyway, the idea of being a servant of God, a servant of Krishna, is, is uh, the most exalted position. The most exalted position. With respect to what you were just saying, that's almost exactly the opposite. Uh, the servant doesn't try to, or shouldn't try to enjoy as the Lord is enjoying. Well, that's the interesting, um, what's the word, counterintuitive nature of bhakti. That the less you look out for yourself, and the more you just try to please Krishna, the more you actually gain happiness by not seeking it. That's one of the, that's counterintuitive to some sense, right? By not seeking our own pleasure, by seeking Krishna's pleasure, we actually become totally satisfied. Tushti, pushti, tushti, shudapaya. Right? We become, uh, tushti means, Sanskrit means satisfied. Yes, microphone? <clears throat> by the same way of thinking earlier in that same purport, yeah. he points out that there are two symptoms of advancement in the process of devotional service, just as there are two processes taking place while eating. So when you're eating, you're hungry and you want to eat food, but it leads to satisfaction and detachment. Right. So it's Actually, kind of the same thing. That ver what you just read yeah. is a paraphrasing the verse I just quoted in Sanskrit. Yeah. Bhaktir Paresh Anubhava Bhaktir Anyatra Traisa Trika Eka Kala. So it says that just as a person is eating, a hungry person, when they're eating, they feel satisfaction, uh, freedom of hunger, and happiness. Gradually. Yeah, gradually. Uh, bite by bite. Gradually, yeah. So similarly, one who takes to bhakti uh, gets detachment from this world and satisfaction and happiness. So it's really interesting. By not being so interested in our own happiness, we get supreme happiness. Yeah. And, and when we're only interested in our own happiness, it's like that carrot that you just never actually grab a hold of. You never actually get it. It's always just beyond reach. My dear mother, I had, so this, you know, this is the end of Kapila teaching deep, very deep philosophy to his mom. I have explained to you the process of devotional service and its identity in four different social divisions. I have explained to you as well how eternal time is chasing the living entities, although it is imperceptible to them. The purport Prabhupada writes, the process of bhakti yoga devotional service is the main river flowing down towards the sea of the absolute truth, and all other processes mentioned are just like tribularies. Nice, huh? So, you know, just like if you go, any, I don't know if anyone's ever gone to um, Great Falls and the, the, uh, the outpost, the outlook place. So as you're walking uh, to the actual main thing, there's a few tribularies, smaller things that are actually pretty cool to look at also. But then, if you've never been there before, then you get to the actual Potomac River. And it's like, 
especially right now, it's just Yes. So this other thing about time is chasing us. As much as we want to take vitamin E and exercise and all those things, which are good things to do, exercising and all those things, but ultimately time always catches up. You know, I was talking to a, a person today, uh, not, a, not a Krishna Bhakta, but they were really, they, they were, they, I told them that I'm turning 60 in a couple of months. And they were telling me that they were, they, they were really so upset when they turned 60. They were so, uh, it just was, you know, because we are ever youthful by nature. The soul is ever youthful. And so the aging of the body, in one sense, is unnatural for an, an eternal soul. Um, but I don't, I'm not, at least not yet, I'm not too worried, I'm not too upset about it. Because right? uh, we try for a devotee to not, um, you know, um, we know death is inevitable. We know old Krishna told us when I, when I was 17 and I read the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna said, uh, Janma, Mrityu, Jara, Vyadhi, Dukkha, Doshanu, Darshanam. He said, birth, death, disease, and old age are inevitable. That doesn't mean we try to live a healthy life. Srila Prabhupada signed every letter he wrote, I hope this meets you in good health. Every letter. Mataji, you wanted to say something. I can't, what was that? Go ahead. I cannot be this body. I can't be this body. No. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But time marches on, right? Even the little child will be 60 one day and 70 and 80 if they carry on. Srila Prabhupada, when he was very ill um, in his late 70s, he turned to his 20-year-old disciples and he said, don't think this will not happen to you. Don't think this will not happen to you. Yeah, 60 is the new 30, right, doctor? Yes. In Central Park, when he gave the lecture, even that Beatle Hectrex Harrison was there right. and everybody. And he said, the best is yet to come. Yes, that's right. So he did say that. 60 is the young, but the best is yet to come. Yeah. And a matter of fact, uh, Srila Prabhupada is mentioned uh, in the list of the top 20 or top 50 people who were successful after 50. And he was successful. I mean, he was always successful in one sense, but he was successful um, in 70. He, came, he was 70 when he came to us in America. And look what he did. Uh, yeah. I was there. Yeah. Um, so yes, it's uh, it's true, especially because of people like you who can take care of us when we get sick. My wife has people living to ninety-four, ninety-five, and the best is yet to come. Acha, very good. Yes. Well, that's true for a devotee, especially. Yeah, because we're not, you know, ultimately we, um, we gain wisdom as we get older and, and hopefully closer to Krishna. And just then, a, one of the most wise people on the planet just entered the room, Vishaka Devi Dasi.
Now I'm embarrassed to talk in front of her. Okay, so we're almost done with this chapter. Amazing. Uh, there are varieties of material existence for the living entities according to the work he performs in ignorance or forgetfulness of his real identity. My dear mother, if anyone enters into that forgetfulness, he is unable to understand where his movements will end. And the first sentence, Prabhupada writes, once one enters into the continuation of material existence, it is very difficult to get out. Anyone have that experience? And then the last two sentences, unless the living entity receives the mercy of the saintly persons, the spiritual master or Krishna, it is not possible for him to get out of the darkness of material existence. By his own endeavor, it is not possible. So it's the, uh, there's so many ways to describe this, but one of the descriptions is that in the Dhamadhar Leela, when, Krish when Krishna's mother keeps on trying to tie him with the rope, and every time it's, too, it's the width of two fingers, too short. And so those two fingers are compared to our endeavor and Krishna's mercy. And of the two, uh, although we, we need to endeavor, Krishna talks about dritta brata many times in uh, Bhagavad Gita, which means strong determination. Um, the mercy is the more important, uh, the more powerful of the two. The other example, it's, given oftentimes is um, the monkeys and cats, right? And uh, probably any of us who have been to Vrindavan have seen the uh, baby monkey on the, uh, holding on for dear life as the mother monkey is jumping from tree to tree and she's upside down, so the, the baby, she or he, has to hold on tightly, whereas the kitten is in the mouth of the cat and is totally dependent on the, if, if the cat drops the kitten, drops the kitten, right? So uh, the kitten is compared to Krishna's mercy and the monkey is compared to our endeavor. But both uh, need to be there to be successful. But here, Srila Prabhupada is emphasizing the fact that endeavor alone is not enough, that we need uh, Krishna's mercy. So that enters into this whole idea of, uh, not whole idea, but mood of bhakti, of dependence, of prayerfulness, of taking shelter. Huh? And uh, yeah, taking shelter is, is a good word. Or sharanagati in Sanskrit. And part of that is, is humility. The humility to understand I can't, you know, I can't figure it all out. The, 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 uh, our nature in this world is we kind of like tell Krishna, we, you know, I got, the, I got this, <laughs> right? I got this, you know, you know, don't worry, I got this. But rather we should say, could you please help? Right. Some thoughts on this? Yes, use the mic because, we re because there's people on the webcam. Uh, what's the importance of a, a real life guru? Like, is it necessary? What's the importance of a real life guru? Is it That's necessary to have one like an alive person? Because he's yes. not here anymore. Right, that's a great question. Fantastic question. Yes. Uh, Krishna says in the Gita, evam parampara praptam. Uh, parampara literally in Sanskrit means one after another. One after another. So in our society, uh, Srila Prabhupada is everyone's guru as the founder 
and also we're studying his books right every day. So he's the, uh, you know, this word in uh, Sanskrit, shiksha, I mean, uh, uh, teacher. Well, yeah, right. Shiksha, yeah, right. Shiksha means disciple. Yeah, and shiksha guru means one who teaches. So Srila Prabhupada is teaching all of us, and at the same time, the, the scriptures say that we we do need a living diksha guru. Okay, and uh, for us. Um, so there's about, in, in our society, about a hundred or so of people who perform the ceremony of diksha. And also, of course, give uh, shiksha. But usually what we usually try to, uh, people who are interested in getting initiated, um, we, one of the criteria we suggest in choosing someone is to choose someone that you think is, uh, inspires you and is very connected to Srila Prabhupada. Uh, who's everyone's shiksha and uh, founding guru. Is that all right? That makes sense? So yes, it, it, because it, it helps to have someone living who tells you, no, no, not like that, like this, <laughs> right? and it helps guide us. Yes. You can, for sure, yes. And you can also YouTube um, practically all of Prabhupada's lectures. Yes. But he, uh, but he, he often, he several times would say things like, um, he was asked the question, he said after, someone asked him, well, when you pass away, um, what, what will happen to the, uh, he says, you will become guru and they, I will be their grandfather. Guru. And so there's this um, disciplic succession like that. Okay. Any other thoughts, questions? Yes, Guru Das? <clears throat> the spiritual master is the one who knows you, your particular nature, personality, faults, habits, better than anyone. So, anyway, it's very desirable. Thank you. So, the next verse, Lord Kapila continued. This instruction is not meant for the envious, for the agnostics, or for persons who are unclean in their behavior, nor is it for hypocrites, oops, I better get off the seat right now, uh, or for persons who are proud of material possessions. It is not to be instructed by persons who are too greedy, too attached to family life, nor to persons who are non-devotees or who are envious of the devotees of the personality of Godhead. So in the pur purport here, Persons who are always planning to do harm to other living entities are not eligible to understand Krishna consciousness and cannot enter into the realm of transcendental loving service to the Lord. So one of the key teachings in the Bhagavad Gita is ahimsa. It's mentioned nine times. Ahimsa can be, my favorite translation into English is do no harm, right? To not harm another person. And there's, there's various ways you can harm them besides physically, right? You can be mean to them, you can, um, or you can mislead them. That's another kind of harmfulness, right? You can cheat them, right? Uh, so there's different ways. So, uh, so as aspiring spiritualists, we should develop, we want to practice ahimsa in the full understanding of the term, right? Although ahimsa does begin on, at the dinner plate, right? To not, uh, 
you know, to be a vegetarian and beyond being a vegetarian to offer, in, we talked about gratitude earlier, offer in gratitude the food that we eat to the, to the Lord before we eat it. Uh, so also, um, a nice practice I try to do, but I'm not very good at it, is try to, you know, understand that every, every interaction I'm going to have with a person, I try to, when I wake up in the morning, I try to think every interaction I have with a person today, let me make it in some way uplifting for that person, pleasurable for that person, right? Whether it's opening a door for them, you know, and going into my office or all the people that come to see me during the day who have concerns or my family or, you know, whatever, or letting the person merging into uh, the highway, let them in. Henry's very good at that. Um, you know, uh, have that attitude. Because here it says, if you're planning to do harm in some way or another, then we're not eligible for, spirit, for real, true spirituality. Well, hmm. And then you were talking about disciples and gurus. Also, there are so-called disciples who become submissive to a spiritual master most artificially with an ulterior motive. They also cannot understand what Krishna consciousness or devotional service is. So Krishna says in the Gita, um, what is that verse, 434? How does it go? Tadvidhi panipate panipatenat pari prasnena right? So he says to, uh, to approach with submissiveness Right? There's a way to approach a guru, not like, what do you know? What do you got for me? You know? But uh, so properly. Um, not like, oh, I have so-and-so as my guru. Aren't I? I'm really cool. I'm great because I have a great guru. Not because I'm, but I don't have any plans to like serve him or you know, follow his instructions. But I have a really cool guru. It's kind of like having like a nice pet that we don't want to do. Um, persons who, due to being initiated by another sect of religious faith, do not find devotional service as a common platform for approaching the Supreme Personality of God, it also cannot understand Krishna consciousness. So bhakti exists in practically all faiths. The idea of, of um, uh, devotion to the Lord. You find it in Islam. You find it in uh, Christianity. You find it in Judaism. So that is... Here he's saying that that is the universal underlying. Uh, and what one, one, one um, gift that we can give the world is that our, one of our great teachers, Rupa Goswami, he uh, separated pure devotion to the Lord from other ulterior motives so that we can see clearly when we're actually, you know, because sometimes people... Uh, approach God, and it's not that this is bad, it's just not pure bhakti, and say, you know, uh, Lord, give me, give me, give me. Right? I really want my son to get into Harvard. Please. That's what I want, right? So that's fine. That's approaching the Lord. It's good to do that better than not, but it's not pure devotion. Pure devotion is, you know, Lord, what you want from me, you know, I'm, I'm your servant. Whether it's Harvard or George Mason, I'm your servant. Nothing wrong with George Mason, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, it's cheaper, especially if you're a Virginia resident. <laughs> um, in the next paragraph, generally materialistic persons are after some name, fame, and material gain. So if someone takes to Krishna consciousness for these reasons, 
he will never be able to understand this philosophy. Such persons take to religious principles as a social decoration. They admit themselves into some cultural institution for the sake of name only, especially in this age. Such persons also cannot understand the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. Even if one is not greedy for material possessions but is too attached to family life, he also cannot understand Krishna consciousness. Superficially, such persons are not very greedy for material possessions, but they are too attached to wife, children, and family improvement. When a person is not contaminated by the above-mentioned faults, yet at the ultimate issue is not interested in the service of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, or if he is, or if he is a non-devotee, he also cannot understand philosophy of Krishna consciousness. So the idea is that to understand Krishna consciousness, we have to have devotion. That doesn't mean we don't have a family, we don't have a, a husband, wife, children, family, etc. But we also uh, find a way to connect that in our, uh, connect our family, our occupation, our, our thoughts to uh, the goal of life, to developing our love for Krishna. We, the example sometimes Srila Prabhupada would give is so many things in this world are a lot of zeros, but if you put the one in front of this, uh, if you put the one in front of six zeros, you get a million. Right? So if you, if you add spirituality to whatever we do in this world, uh, we can become successful. Are you grabbing that because you want, oh, yes. So um, what is the importance of like equal vision? Doesn't he mention that? Equal vision is very important. It's one of the main teachings in the Gita, Samadarshina in Sanskrit. So, um, and that, was, that, it, that applies very much to ahimsa, right? So we might say, oh, I'm not violent. I haven't killed anyone. But equal vision means to understand that, that uh, there's a soul in the cow, in the, in the animals that we might uh, slaughter, um, and it also means that um, I treat everyone as a brother and sister because we have the same father, right? So it's not just like, okay, you know, Americans are really good, but let we, I don't mind if we drop the bombs on and then fill in the blank, right? But, uh, but Krishna's, what Krishna is teaching us in the Gita is that... Um, uh, we should see all living entities as our brothers and sisters. I don't know that much. I have to ask my wife. She, they do. In fact, uh, I'm not Catholic, but I went to a Catholic church, and it's the first time I heard that expressly said. He said, because um, Jesus is the Son of God, right? right? And he's your brother. He's your brother. He's your, actually your brother, because we're all sons of God. Mm -hmm. I was, was very taken with that. I was married in a Catholic church, but that's all I know about it. <laughs> we got married in a Catholic church to please my in-laws and also in Vrindavan uh, to please Krishna. <laughs> well, whatever. Yes, but I mean, generally, um, uh, if one would follow the, the commandment, thou shall not kill, then at least our, our founder, Srila Prabhupada, extended that to animals. And therefore, there should be a vegetarian diet. And then, like I said, beyond that, the diet of uh, offering our food first in gratitude to the Lord. So it is the bewitching hour. Not the bewitching hour. It's the end of this class, though. <laughs> and um, I don't know who's doing the japa session today.
You are. Jeeva's doing. Okay, very good. So we just had two verses left in this, but then we'll, we will continue and maybe even finish the last chapter in the third canto. Wow, we actually did it. 